Welcome to the Worship Theology Podcast. I'm Dr. Jeremy Perigo, and in this podcast, I bring in guest theologians, scholars, musicians, Christian leaders, and together we attempt to bridge faith and ministry praxis. Worship Theology is a podcast to fuel and nurture vital discussions on worship, music, and theology. So we're so glad that you've joined us as we think deeply about Christian worship. Today I sit down with Reverend Dr. Angela Perigo, who is the Director of Faith Formation at Dort University. Angela previously served as Dean of Community at London School of Theology, and her recent doctoral work looks at welcoming worship. Yeah, what a joy, what a treat. Um, Dr. Angela Perigo, my wife, my friend, co-worker, uh, mother of my kids, and yeah, part of the dynamic duo of the Perigo team. <laughs> You've done tons of study and so much experience in serving the church and mission and in worship. And what's a memorable moment in corporate worship or a memorable moment in the life of, of the church that, that comes to mind? As I think about memorable moments, my, my heart seems to resonate most when I think about those who are included in, in corporate worship that may not otherwise be. So I think about how you include our kids up on stage to lead out and pray um, in Turkey or in Iraq when we have ministered there, or even in, in Minneapolis when we were at my brother's church and you were leading worship. And the, the kids, not only our kids, but other kids were included within that space of leading and participating. I mean, I think about, I think when I was first formed or worship caught my attention when I was a little girl growing up in Romania as a missionary kid, I loved watching how uh, my dad and those who led with my dad would include uh, people to lead and sing out and preach and proclaim the gospel in corporate worship in a variety of ways. And that really, yeah, those were memorable moments that that have marked me and go, I think that's what I look for within worship settings. A lot of your, your doctoral research, you recently finished your doctorate in worship studies, but a lot of that focuses on worship from those at the margins. So you mentioned kids and, you know, those who maybe aren't well-trained or aren't ordained ministers. Um, as you look at kind of contemporary worship, what, what are some of those groups of people that are often left out or not fully engaged? Hmm. I think, yeah, what you said is really true. When we think about those leading worship, we often think of those highly trained or qualified or at least have have the right giftings for leadership and for drawing a crowd or for preaching or proclamation or teaching or curating a worship set. When I think about but I think about how we all are are able to participate. So that's children. Children are often let out. Yeah, uh, yeah, not allowed or not engaged at the fullest capacity to yeah to to participate within all aspects of the church but particularly in in corporate worship i think about in some denominations it's it's women who are uh marginalized and and said you can participate here but not in this particular area i think about those 
that are differently abled. And oftentimes they are on the margins of engaging in the full life of the church. And so the recent, kind of your recent work is around this idea of of welcoming worship and and trying Mm -hmm. to welcome those that maybe aren't typically on stage or leading. What what is welcoming worship? What's what what are you trying to do with that term and and with this kind of model? Yeah, when I think of welcoming worship, I think of how we can receive and uh, yeah receive all image bearing disciples of Christ as full embodied communal participants in divine life. So everyone has a seat at the table in a sense at worship. And how is everyone? fully participating, participating as a community and participating, uh, yeah, together. So that's, that's a ton of words you've got there, like image bearers, full embodied communal participants. Help, help me break that down for those who may not, yeah, may not come from the same theological tradition or may use those terms differently. What does it mean to be an image bearer, particularly in, in worship? Mm. I think of when I think of image bearer, I think about, yeah, Genesis one, when God created us in his own image and we have his divine status written in us, not as something that we do, but as something that we are like we are made, created, designed, fashioned in the image of God. And that's not minimized by any type of human limitation, by a gender, by an age by a culture, but we, each of us as disciples of Christ, well, actually not even, we go beyond that as a disciple, we go as a human being, we are are designed to reflect the image of God, Imago Dei. And that that takes on flesh because we, we are enfleshed in a human body. Yeah. I mean, and you're also using this term fully embodied mm-hmm. participation or participants. What does it mean to be fully embodied in worship? And particularly from maybe some of these groups, you mentioned children, women, those who are, you know, differently abled, um, even from other cultures. What 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 does it mean to yeah, have them fully embodied in in participating in corporate worship? Yeah, I think that bodily limits. that we are indeed enfleshed in a body is part of the human experience that it was intended by God and designed by God that we would reflect his image through our embodiment, through our person. And that means that because of the diversity of, of eight billion people and those who've gone before us and those will, who will go ahead of those who've gone ahead of us before us yeah. that yeah. <laughs> that everyone reflects God in a particular and distinct way and I think God designed that he likes that and so we we participate with God as his image bearer in our distinct particular ways that to reflect his image and that is very different for each one of us. So depending on our ability, depending on our age, depending on our gender, that we get to reflect God and we get to see that reflection of God in each other so in back, very distinct ways. Yeah, coming, sorry, coming back to my, my question on where com- contemporary worship may be limiting or preventing um, that fully embodied participation, 
um, yeah, where have you seen some examples of stuff going wrong or maybe worship not being welcoming, but worship being excluding mm. of, of God's people? That's that's a dangerous question for me because like I, like I kind of prefaced in the beginning or when I found myself really resonating with, with certain moments is where everyone we can see and we can like, we can actually, um, we enter into a space where we know that everyone is fully welcomed. Everyone belongs in this space. Everyone has ownership of the space and everyone participates. And I think for every church and community, that looks different. On the other hand, I think we as a church have a long ways to go overall and within each community to ask ourselves where, yeah, who have we been excluding is a harsh word, but who can we more fully include into the life of the church? And I think every church can really do, like really has, has to think about how can we embody God's hospitality to every member, every disciple, every person that belongs within this space. So, so yeah, I mean, take, take for example, children, like what, you know, in the ch- churches we've been a part of, like children sometimes are given, given a phone to be quiet as we press into worship and prayer and intercession, or maybe they're, you know, given specific age, you know, age specific ministry, um, yeah, can children lead corporate worship? Can children be fully embodied communal participants in divine life <laughs> on a Sunday morning at 1015 in your local mm. church? What what might that look like? I mean, I guess I would ask the question beyond like, can they? Am I taking the Holy Spirit within them seriously? And if we take the Holy Spirit being poured out upon all flesh, and that means our children, then what does that look like? And how do we engage children within that corporate worship space? If there is no junior Holy Spirit, if there is not a limit to how the Spirit is being poured out, then our children are a part of that. And so I would say absolutely children take the the ways in which... I've engaged children and led, for instance, in uh, creating a scripture reading team with children, solely children in it. They took it so seriously and they were so committed to reading the scripture because they got it. Oh my gosh, I am reading the very words of God. And they wanted to take their roles in the life of the church seriously. And I wonder, they do. And I wonder if we we are too. And to give them that space of ownership, it creates belonging for them. So absolutely, I think children, people of all abilities, of all cultures should should engage within the life of the church, but within corporate worship. But do we take them seriously? If we do, let's give them opportunities. Let's put them on, yeah, put them on all the teams to see the, their gifts and their their image bearing status of God flourish in robust ways. So really, you're t- you are talking full participation, like on worship <laughs> teams, on scripture teams, you know, on sharing testimonies, teams. absolutely praying for people, hearing the voice of God. I think, yeah, I think the more that we can engage children 
and take them seriously, like we take them seriously, the more that they'll take their their belonging and image bearing status within divine life seriously too. Yeah. And it and it's just this, um, yeah. Well, I think circular thing. children too, and there's lots of studies on on children who they yeah. I'll, some of our education systems actually draw or push away from things like imagination and feeling. And there's so many things that kids can pick up on that actually us as adults, for many reasons, whether that's because of our education, our our work, or life circumstances. It reminds me of, you know, when we were in northern Iraq at a, a prayer meeting and had um, lots of children leading and the, the the group there, the team there that, that lives there and serves is a mix of yeah many different nations in that team. And their kids are really involved in praying and interceding and having our children kind of see that and step up. Um, yeah, actually led to Zara having kind of a, an intense moment of intercession and prayer for what was happening in, in Iraq. And so what, 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 you and I have tried to do with our kids to give them that experience, but also as they came into an environment um, where other kids had that freedom to hear the voice of God, pray out, sing out, um, speak things out. It was powerful to see Zara moved on behalf of the Iraqi people and the Iraqi children during during an intense time, and that actually fueled my pr- my prayers and my ministry and my intercession. And so it allows children to be a part of the whole body of Christ. Like they're the feet, they're the hands in addition to, to, to adults. Um, as you talked about that, you know, kind of the spirit of God use that kind of acts to analogy of the spirit of God poured out on all flesh. Um, and I know just hearing some of your research at a conference just this past weekend on what you call the, the presence model, you weren't just talking about that for, for children, but talking about that for differently able, those from other, other cultures. What is this presence model that, that you've developed? What, what, what does it mean? What is it? Yeah. I mean, I guess the presence model within worship is, is contending, is arguing, is putting forth that, the full inclusion of people, be it people with disabilities, be it people of different ages, different cultures, uh, male, female, um, is that this full inclusion in the body of Christ is full embodied participants in divine life isn't a, um, a an, isn't a disability issue or an age issue or a gender issue, but it's a presence issue, divine presence issue, really, because limiting participation to a certain gender or to a certain ability or to a certain age equates limiting full uh, expressions and experiences of divine presence within us human beings created in the image of God to a certain level of ability or of a certain gender or of a certain age. So for example, fully participating in the worship band belongs to the able-bodied only or full participation within scripture reading belongs to the adults only. So invitation by God to the fullest expression of abundant life as he's being poured out through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit is extended and to and expected of everyone in Christ. And so, yeah. And I, yeah, as I, as I heard you share this weekend, like this, this isn't just um, yeah something 
something cool, a growth strategy, an inclusivity strategy, you're you're drawing this from deep within the biblical text, within the story of God. As as you think of this presence model, where where are there scriptures that resonate or 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 parts of God's story that you're specifically drawing from? Yeah, that's a great question. I think even going back to what you were saying about like how we include children reflecting God's image in a particular way, I think yes, like children's spirituality, the way that children embody the spirit of God is is through intuition and creativity and playfulness and and so that's where I I go when I think of a robust biblical theology of children is that their spirituality reflects Imago Dei and and the spirit being poured out in very distinct and particular ways and we are we being attuned to those so I like I even think about Isaiah I don't I can't remember the exact passage but it talks about the redemption of Jerusalem as children playing on the streets so with the, yeah within the redeemed community playing doesn't cease it continues on so what about the, the that nature of playfulness reflects God, God's image and so that yeah <laughs> yeah and i think you're that some of that's the the foretaste of what's to come of in the age to come children are able to play with serpents and like that imagination can go to the fullest, and but also in in the entrance to the kingdom, Jesus talks about unless you come like a little child, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And so, I think particularly like for children, there's a call for us to to recognize what can they bring to our corporate worship. Of course, all of church life and mission and, and discipleship, but particularly what we're talking about today is corporate worship. What what can they bring? What offering do they have? What song do they have? What experience with, with God do they have? Um, in addition to just planning services for children, how can we make that shift to, to plan them with children? Right. Um, yeah. And that makes me think about, about divine hospitality. And I think when also like the presence model is really based on this idea of, of, of the theology of hospitality I mean, right from the very beginning, God, creator God, took hospitable God, took a world full of chaos. And, and in, in, in the Hebrew, it actually says an inhospitable space and created a hospitable space for creation, for humanity to dwell. And so as, as worship leaders, and we are called as well in his image to create an hospitable space for everyone to feel safe, to fully belong, to fully express, to fully uh, participate in that space. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah. In, in terms of this broad welcoming worship, or even more specifically, the presence model, which can seem like they overlap, are there specific yeah, examples? We've talked about some of the failures, but are there examples or kind of yeah paint a vision for us of what what this could look like to see those who are differently abled or from different cultures or from you know children uh, more fully engaged in in the life of the church i mean we we talked we talked a bit about how children can should um hopefully will be more more um included within different 
spaces of the church. But I mean, more broadly, painting a picture is that I would hope to see people of all abilities, male, female, children, it, it, yeah, included in anywhere from the greeting team to the tear up tear down and set up crews to yeah. the sound engineers to sharing testimonies and even, yeah, uh, reading scripture very practically. I've see, seen some of that, like tastes and glimpses of that. Of that. I mentioned my uh, scripture reading team that I created with some children and they were able to participate in calls to worship, in benedictions, in reading um, the scripture scripture before the sermon. And through all of that, I, like I said, I saw how they took it, like they, they took it to heart. They, they felt from, from before, yeah, I kind of feel involved here. I kind of, yeah, just come to church to at the end of this time, at the end of this um, scripture reading team, it was, I feel like I belong at church. I feel like I can't, like I have a role that I feel like the church knows me and I can contribute in a, in a way. Uh, another example that during my doctoral research, I had a opportunity to um, include people with, or per, a person particularly with disabilities, uh, in the life of the church through um, his water baptism service. And because he couldn't articulate, he's in his thirties, but because he couldn't articulate his faith for himself, uh, we had members of the community who had known him for, for his, yeah, for his whole life articulate his faith and how they saw his faith in Christ and how that's impacted their own lives. Mm-hmm. And that was so powerful and moving to come around and articulate somebody's faith on behalf of them. And isn't that what the church is all about? When we when we can't articulate what's going on inside of us, that the church comes around us and 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 um, is our voice where we don't have a voice, is our hands where we don't have hands, and is our heart where we can't, we don't know exactly what's being expressed within us. Yeah, both of those are so, yeah, so beautiful. And I think one thing that, yeah, as you were sharing, I'm reminded of how much time, energy, effort it took for you to do this. Like sometimes when we do things with kids on a Sunday morning, we literally, oh, let's have the, let's have the kids sing something and maybe we get a sound, you know, maybe we get a sound check in for them. But, you know, particularly for your scripture reading team, you were spending hours rehearsing with them, talking about the theology of God's word, talking about their role in the story, in addition to the the practical elements of how do you read slowly and loudly and use enunciation and, and when it's appropriate drama. And similarly with, with this baptism service, you were sitting with, yeah, this, this, um, this candidate and processing kind of in learning, you were learning how to connect with those with special needs too, and how to understand, um, yeah, where, where he could share his own faith and his own experience and where others um, needed to help bring clarity around that. So it took a ton of time. Um, it was powerful. And I even know a number of, you know, testimonies of, of people drawing closer to Christ because of that. But 
worship leaders, worship pastors, and even students of worship are a little overwhelmed already. They're a little burnt out. Um, is this just one more thing? You know, now we got to think about music. We got to think about, you know, lighting. We got to think about theology. We got to think about rehearsing. Um, relationships within our team? Like, is is this idea of welcoming worship just one more task for a burnout worship leader to have to add to their their list? Um, why, why should they engage? Mm. Uh, honestly, is it one more thing or is it the thing? Mm. I guess that's what I would say. It's not another thing to do, but it is is why we come to worship. And I think when we come to worship, out of a out of a place to make yeah to get as much done as we can or view it as another task to do or n- more songs to learn i wonder if maybe we're not viewing worship the way that god views it and god intends for it to be and so i yeah i would just encourage those who are feeling oh my gosh another thing to do maybe just like look at your heart posture and go okay why am why am i in this to begin with God, what's your expectations and what's your intention for worship? Because worship is is for, formative; it's forming us. And on, yeah, and honestly, if we come to worship going another task to do, that's forming us in 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 that direction. And I wonder what might God have for <laughs> for you if this is resonating with you what might God have for you in terms of how might you be <laughs> be yeah change your change your attitude of worship into forming all participants all congregation members into the into divine life how are you welcoming everyone i as as you share some of that i'm yeah, beginning to just be reminded of so much of what we see of worship in the New Testament church is that that dream for full participation and Paul's words to the church again in, in Corinth around the Lord's table is actually you guys are setting up barriers so that the those that are poor and can't be there from different subcultures can't actually fully participate in in these acts of worship and so I think a lot of the New Testament, those epistles are writing to the church to like all of you engage. Let's bring a psalm. Let's bring a hymn. Let's bring a spiritual song. Let's bring a word. Let's bring an encouragement. Let's pray to one another. And so I love, love that you're helping expand the view of community and all, not just in let's get more of these people in our services, but let's actually find ways that their gifts, their talents, their experiences with God can be shared more fully. So that's so, so beautiful. Is there any considerations or tips, advice, encouragements that you'd have for those that are studying worship or theology and worship? Um, yeah, just as we we close here today. Well, that, yeah. And as you were sharing too, I didn't want, I didn't want to come across feeling too too harsh or like, oh my gosh, you're doing it totally wrong. No, you're not. I think this is an invitation again by God to into for you to into to all of us into more understanding what it means for each of us to fully participate in divine life. And for a lot of us, we are are invited into perceiving and attuning to 
those around those around us. Some of us, some, and that's like I mean, I think of First Corinthians twelve. Like, how are we attuned to the giftings of those around us, and how are we creating space for for those people and in re- receiving them in our midst? And yes, that takes a it takes a lot of work because it doesn't come naturally. And so that I think that's the that's the journey that God is invita- inviting. I think this generation of worship leaders into is a journey of maybe flipping flipping the script and going, okay, what's the point of worship? If worship is is including everyone into fully participating in divine life. Then that's gonna that's that's takes that takes a bit of time and intentionality. But I think the fruit of that is is the is the abundant life of everyone's spirituality everyone benefits and that's not going to be maybe hopefully it will be next sunday but it's probably going to be in years to come where we see a child who was given a given permission to read scripture then then growing up and feeling so rooted within community um years and years later so it's it we're in it for the long we're in it for the long haul (laughs) well thank you i really appreciate how you're you're not you're not shutting down the arts. You're not shutting down music. You're not you're not shutting down some of these core um, practices of the church. You're actually helping us to go back to our theological foundations to remember what it means to be human, what it means to be the people of God, and also you're you're encouraging us pastorally. What does it mean to pastor, to train, to disciple, to equip, and release the whole body, abled, disabled, you know, young, old, grandmas. Um, kids, and again, today we haven't had a ton of talk time to talk about different cultures, but that's one I'd love to follow up with you in a future, yeah, future podcast. So, just want to thank you for your research, your ministry, um, and your time today. Thanks, Angela. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening today, and a special thanks to the Calvin Institute of Christian Worship for their support of this podcast.